So yesterday, my daughter's in town, and we had a baby shower for her. As you know, I'm going to be a grandfather. It led my wife and I to think about the days when we had young children or children, and are they sick enough to go to the doctor? Do we want to pay the bill to go to the doctor, or is there some home remedies? Could we put them in the bathtub and cool them off? Is there some medicine we can give them and possibly save the doctor's bill? Can you relate to that? You know what I'm talking about? And maybe even ourselves. Am I sick enough that I need to go to the doctor and get a prescription and pay the money? Or on a more serious note, do we set up an appointment be maybe something just isn't right and there's something going on with me that I'm not used to and I need to see a physician? You can all relate a time in your life that you needed to make an appointment. Do you know what I'm referring to? Because really, what doctors do that you and I can't is that they're really very good diagnosticians. They listen, they ask questions, ask questions, and listen. They look into our files and find out our past. And a very good doctor will be a very good diagnostician, and he will diagnose what's wrong with us, and then he'll give us medicine or tell us what we need to do to make us better, whether it's surgery, a change in diet, or whatever. Correct? Hence we say doctors practice what? Medicine. Good doctors are good diagnosticians who apply good medicine. So let's be a doctor today. Guess the disease. Shortness of breath, wheezing, coughing, loss of taste in the mouth, fatigue, high fever. What am I referring to? Yeah, COVID. How devastating that has been. Just not for us, for health, for the health of many people, for those who have died from it. But the fear, the anxiety, the separation from one another, the economic and the political pain. The disease, we are all very familiar with it, and we're rushing for a vaccine or even a cure. Good doctors diagnose properly and apply proper medicine. It's just a few years ago that my wife and I attended a wedding and a wedding reception, and I came home. And I noticed I had some pains in my upper part of my chest, and they just didn't go away. And about another hour passed by, and the pain got worse, and the muscles tightened up, and the muscle tightened up over here in my shoulder. And then it spread to my back to the point I couldn't sit. I wiggle around, and my wife said, lay down. I couldn't, and aspirin didn't help. And after watching me in pain and what was going on in the area, my wife said, that's it. So she drove me to the hospital. As soon as I got to the ER, they see I couldn't walk straight because of all the pain in muscles, and so I got the best attention. A number of doctors... You know, the blood tests, the EKGs, everything needed. And they thought that maybe I was having a what? You know, correct? And as time went by, I was a little tight, uptight going in. The blood pressure came down and the, blood start, the uh, pain started going away. And the doctors continued with all sorts of tests. The second blood test came back better than the first one. Was I lifting weight and pulled some muscles? And then they decided, well, we're going to keep you for further testing. We just want to make sure. Now, this took place on a Saturday night, so about 4 o'clock in the morning, my elders were getting a phone call, and guess what? You're going to have to lead the service. Why? Because this is what's going on with me. And so I did the, got on the, the treadmill, drank the dye, and they did an in-depth look at everything, and everything was fine. And so about the time our late service was ending, my wife made a phone call to the church and said, announce Pastor Muse is fine, uh, there's just something tightened up with the muscles, and the doctor said, well, just go buy some, is it CoQ10? And that should counter the medicine that's causing that. And I remember the last thing they said to me, they said, do you want to have breakfast here or do you want to go home? And guess what I said? <laughs> I'm going home, right? Good doctors, good dietitians, good
good medicine. Can you relate to something like that? And maybe the outcome wasn't as good as I, mine. That's what doctors do. They diagnose and they treat. And so it's Jesus here, the divine teacher, the Lord of life, who sits with tax collectors and sinners and cheaters and slackers and all sorts of people that sometimes we don't think very highly of. And the Pharisees called him on and said, Jesus, how can it be that you're sitting with these low lives? Who do you think you are having fellowship with them? Don't you know what they do and who they are and how they affect society? I bet some of them even have COVID. And yet there you are sitting and eating with them. And so our Lord, the great teacher, also known as a great physician, says this. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And what our Lord said is, yes, you may have diagnosed them correctly, but the cure is me. And before we go on with this, and before in our own minds we think through this, yeah, Jesus, that's a very good response. We healthy don't need a doctor, but those people at the table with you, you know, the tax collectors and the cheaters and the prostitutes and the slackers and those with COVID, they're the ones who need the doctor. But you know what the Lord is really telling us? Who needs a doctor? Which of us? Who do? We all do. We all need a doctor because none of us are healthy, even those of us who think that we are healthy. We all need a doctor. I'm sure we've all been to a doctor's appointment. Moving into town, we're asked to fill this out. Can you relate to that? Right now, there's not a doctor's appointment you can't go to where they first of all hand you a what? A clipboard to say, please fill this out. Do you have any symptoms and signs? Has anything changed with your health? And sign it and make sure you give us your insurance card, right? You know what I'm talking about, correct? Have you ever filled out any of these? Heart disease, cancer, stroke, go right through it. The past couple of years, they want to know more about our parents' health. Maybe our grandparents caused death because of genetics. What happened to them might happen to us but we receive those genetics. But I wonder if we are given um, a clipboard with these questions that examine our soul, that examine our spiritual condition. Check those apply. A heart not receptive to God's word. Soul cancer. I give in to temptations and greed, and it grows inside of me. Stroke, you know what a stroke is, a lack of blood to the heart or to the head. Stroke, lack of flow of God's word and sacrament in my heart and soul. Check those that apply. Toxic air, I breathe in too much of the world's philosophy. I spend a lot of time on Facebook and Twitter. And listen to certain teachers who have very different ideas than God's word. Too tense. I'm over-anxious about life and its worries and about COVID and the economy and the health of my loved ones. Check those that apply. I can't cleanse myself from unclean thoughts, hurt, guilt from the soul. I carry around a guilty conscience. Check all that apply to you. I have an adverse reaction to truth. I don't like God's law and gospel. One of the reasons why our pews might be a little, little more empty is I really don't like to hear the truth. Someone once said, I don't like to go to church to hear that I'm a sinner and the things that I do are sinful, even though it's true. That's like me going to the doctor's office and not wanting to hear that I have this disease, even when I do. And finally, just as we inherited our parents' genes and our grandparents' genes, we inherited original sin. Check all those that apply. I think you'll know. What's the correct diagnosis for us? No matter which ones we checked or didn't check, can you read it? With me, 
We know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, every mouth will be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Paul, too, as God speaks through him, is a great diagnostician of the human soul. Notice what he says. Every mouth will be silenced because no one can say that they are perfect or holy in God's sight and everyone will be held accountable to God. Very contrary to 2020 America where we all get to do our own thing and God is just a God of love who just loves everybody and go do your own thing. Very different. The law condemns us and God says your mouth is going to be quiet, you have nothing to say and I will hold you accountable. That's what Dr. Martin Luther, the young monk, the young priest, the up and rising superstar in the Roman Catholic Church, he had the same concern. He knew that God was holy and just. He totally understood the majesty of God, that God created the whole world out of nothing, and in perfection, God's divine will is there and his law is there, and Martin Luther fully understood that he was a sinner. He fully understood that there is no way I can stand in front of God by any means and say, look at me. And Luther took that to heart. It worried him. He lived in a time of the bubonic plague. He had a friend who died from it. He had his own illness. He was part of a violent thunderstorm. And Luther saw this all as a sign that God is holy and just and his majesty is great and no one can stand before God and say, look at me. Do you see Martin Luther there? Do you see the angst in his face? The fear, the trepidation, the despair. One might think that he's doing taxes. No offense. Or he's going to have to watch a debate. No offense, right? Do you see the pain there? Luther understood the law and the wrath and the justice of God. See, he was given a bad cure. He was told to wrestle with his own sins. That was a dominant thought in Luther's day. Dr. Martin Luther's supervisor said, Luther, you're taking this all so serious. You can only do good works and do your best. You say, Luther, wrestle with your sins. That's all that God expects from you. They even had Martin Luther go to Rome, and he walked over the Alps. And the closer he got to Rome, he saw the more decadent and the more luxurious people lived their lives. When he went to the worship services, he saw how phony it was and how people didn't take it to heart. He kissed the rings of bishops and cardinals. He went and looked at the relics of the church. He did everything he was supposed to do, and yet he never found peace. He went with the dominant thought of the day. Wrestle with sins your own way. There's some bad cures out there today in the area of religiosity. Today there's modern preachers of how-to. How to get closer to God. How to have a better love life. How to have a better personality. How to show Christ in your life. And there are all modern-day preachers that give us more law and more morality. What are some other bad cures out there? Well, there's the mood-altering medications. I look to my own religious experiences like the time that my loved one's life was saved and I felt close to God and that's what I rely on. Or there's a time I had gotten a bad scrape and God saw me through it. And so I looked to that. Or I was really afraid and God answered my prayer and I looked to that. And I'm not saying that's all bad, but don't base reality on all of that. The mind-altering tonic. I'm really not that bad. And God's really not that holy and just. Just ignore it all. God's really loving. Don't worry about sin at all. It's not an issue. Probably the worst of all of these bad cures is denial. 
all-time favorite. I'm fine. I can save myself. God knows I'm really not that bad of a sinner. Those are all bad cures from our modern day and age, from the time of Adam and Eve to Dr. Martin Luther to you and I. But Paul slams the door on all of these. Can you all read that verse with me together? Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. No matter how to sermons, no matter how really good experiences, no matter how much a person struggles with their sin, no one is declared righteous by God and say, God, I did it myself. We're all lost, condemned, miserable sinners. We, like Luther, needed a cure. We didn't need advice. We don't need critics. We don't need opinions, but we need a what? Say it. Savior. Friends in Christ, if you see yourself as a little sinner, you need a little Savior. You see yourself as a big sinner, we need a what? A big Savior. But the truth is, no matter where our sins are, Jesus is a greater Savior. We're all sinners. Put me at the front of the list. We all need a Savior. So what's the cure? Well, the cure came from the book of Romans. Martin Luther said the book of Romans contains all the Christian doctrine in one book. He'd advise all Christians to read it to the point that they memorize it, for there all the sacred doctrines of Scripture is found in the book of Romans. And this is what the book of Romans says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe, first for the Jews and for the Gentiles. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified freely by His grace. No one will be saved through the law, but rather our righteousness comes by faith through Christ, who died for us. In the key verse of the Reformation, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, I'll say it again, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, for in the gospel, a righteousness is revealed from Christ, a righteousness from first to last, that the just will live by faith. For the cure of Romans is that in spite of you and I being lost, condemned, lousy, miserable sinners, that Jesus Christ died for us freely. He is our righteousness. He makes us holy in front of God. He declares us holy. He makes us free from all of our sin. That's the cure. Where else is the cure for our sin? Well, it's at the baptism font. Many of us don't remember our baptism. But let me remind you of your baptism because Paul says all those who are baptized into Christ were baptized into his death and resurrection. We died with him, and we will rise with him. Paul says all those who are baptized are clothed. They're covered from their sins. They're cured from their sins. Jesus says if one must be born again, they must be born again of what? Water and the Spirit, holy baptism. There's the cure. Let me remind you of your baptism. It's not a one-time event. Every time we repent and say, God, forgive me, God brings us his baptism grace to us again. Where else is the cure? The communion rail. When you take communion, what do you hear? This is my body. This is my blood. For who? Given for who? You. For the forgiveness of your sins. And where else is the cure? The cure is the cross. As the prophet Isaiah said, he was wounded for our transgressions. He is beaten for our iniquities. By his stripes we are healed. There is the cure of our sin. Jesus Christ who forgives us and breaks the power of sin, death, and devil over us. 
When Jesus was crucified, he said, it is finished. I've taken God's wrath for you. That's secure. The diagnosis, the disease, we are lousy sinners. The cure, the free grace of Jesus Christ. And friends in Christ, that brings us to the Reformation. Happy Reformation Sunday. We're saved by grace through faith. We sinners, the disease, the cure, Jesus Christ, the only door and way to heaven. What a blessing that is. So for us, with the disease of sin, we are cured by Jesus Christ. Go freely, your sins are forgiven. So how about this for a closing thought? It's from a hymn we frequently sing. Yes, as the law must be fulfilled, or we must die despairing, Christ came and has God's anger stilled, our human nature sharing. He has for us the law obeyed, and thus the Father's vengeance stayed, which over us impended. And all God's people say,